0: From the capital of the Commonwealth. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 1061 ESPN. We're also streaming live at espnrichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327 0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 1061 ESPN.
1: Bickerstaff's second is good. So it's a three point game, 2.8 seconds left. No timeouts remaining for anybody.
2: Here's the inbound for Walker. He comes near the timeline. Now about 30 feet. Both stolen away. It's knocked away from behind. And James Madison
0: shocks the college basketball world on opening night as they defeat the fourth-ranked Michigan State Spartans. 79-76. Holy mama,
2: what a win for the Dukes. Oh yeah, what a call from Dave Rigert of the James Madison Sports Network. You know, there were 21 top 25 teams playing on opening night in college basketball. None of them played against each other, of course. It's way too early for that to happen. 21 of the 25 nationally ranked college basketball teams played last night. Only one of them lost And that was Michigan State to the James Madison Dukes, 79-76 in overtime. What a gutty, gritty performance. Eye-opening, stunning performance by Mark Byington's JMU Dukes. T.J. Bickerstaff, Terrence Edwards, Michael Green, uh, all those guys. Uh, Raquan Horton, who hit the big three. What an effort. They put on last night. They got to the big lead early. They fell behind. They weren't rattled. They came back. They hit clutch shots. They kept their poise. They had guys fouling out left and right. Guys came off the bench. And the JMU Dukes just continue to roll in college athletics. You can pretty much pick a sport and say JMU is doing a good job right now. They have been just tremendous. And last night may have been the icing on the cake for them, even on night one of the college basketball season. I'll tell you what, welcome to the Sports Huddle. Bob Black with you here. Uh, Matt Joseph still in our ESPN Richmond studios. We'll call it another Mashup Tuesday edition of the sports huddle and border to bourbon maybe we should have just done it on tuesdays to begin with it didn't have the alliteration of mashup monday uh, but with all the mondays that one or both of us have been out myself particularly last night it was for richmond basketball we've wound up doing this more often than not on tuesday than on monday so you got both of us for the first hour Of the sports title, 804-327-0888. JMU fans, let's hear from you. 804-327-0888. That's also our text line. And, Matt, I'll tell you what. I finished up with the Richmond game last night, as I know you did, in our ESPN Richmond studios. And I drove home and sat down on the couch to relax and started channel surfing and clicked on the Duke Dartmouth game for just a couple of minutes and a couple other games and all of a sudden the bottom line I saw that score in the second half and it was like I don't know 54 to 52 or 50 to 48 something like that and I was like well let me tune this in for a little bit this is kind of interesting and of course I didn't tune out at that point it was must see TV if you're any kind of college basketball fan on opening night how do you kind I know you talked with coach Byington in the last hour. How do you kind of explain the stunner, just the second all-time win for JMU against a top 25 opponent?
3: Well, I think it's a mixture of JMU's got a lot of veterans. You know, as I as I told Coach Andy Katz yesterday after the game, the first thing he said is he thinks more and more mid majors are just not scared of going into big places like this. And clearly, you know, a lot of teams will be like, "Oh, it's Michigan State; they're really good. Tom Izzo, he's really good. Oh, we're we're kind of down ten nothing as it is. JMU wasn't scared or intimidated at all."
2: And I think they have to have that focus and that attitude now more than ever. And I actually just had this conversation with Chris Mooney yesterday, before any of these games were played, about getting games with these top teams and never, ever being able to get them at home again. And, Matt, you'll remember this. Uh, this isn't that far back. The old two-for-one used to happen a lot, right? The mid-major teams would accept a two-for-one deal with the highly ranked players power teams and coach just laughed at me yesterday he's like that's not happening anymore we don't even ask for that anymore from the power teams because the answer is an unequivocal no there is virtually no path for the mid-major teams to get these power teams into their building anymore and that's a shame
3: yeah and it's funny because you look at them getting virginia in their building but obviously virginia signed that i believe it was a two-for-one deal uh to do it that's and the only reason they did that is because tony bennett is very friendly with the state schools
2: yeah that's the only way that would happen otherwise you're not getting that was there ever any report of how much jmu got for going to michigan state and losing the open i mean winning the opening game any
3: report of what the dollar amount was have to look and see uh usually we get somebody usually comes up with that we did get the um we did get the john Rothstein tweet though about oh you know michigan state losing a bye game to uh james madison
2: the epitome of brutality I exactly know, yeah we, we we know the line from from john feinstein i mean from by uh, john Rothstein. beg your pardon on that one and look uh i heard coach uh, Byington mention, mentioned you know he does have a veteran team but let's remember several of these guys are coming from other programs and in More cases than not, multiple other programs, right, Matt? Several of them are now on their third school, so they have plenty of college basketball experience, but this is night one, and they're still coming together as a team, and what a springboard for this group that was picked to win the Sun Belt,
3: right? And obviously yes, and obviously if you win the first day Bob, you're going to go 33 and 0 and if you lose the first day you're going 0 and 33.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know that there are too many fans that are actually really believing that today. Maybe there's a few VCU fans that are on the ledge right now and maybe there are a few giddy richmond fans that are on the top of the mountain right now i heard you talking about that in the three o'clock hour as well but nobody in their right mind would be writing off a season after one game nor would they be thinking they're going to make a deep run into the ncaa tournament after just one game particularly with the matchups that you get on opening night and really through the first week maybe week plus plus of the season. The other revealing thing that I thought coach Byington said to you was they are already on a bus to their next game, which actually isn't until Thursday and I'm not quite sure. I thought there was a rule that you couldn't leave for an away game until 24 hours before the game. Uh, Maybe they got special dispensation for that. Maybe that's a rule that's no longer in existence. We got lots of rules we're talking about with JMU these days. But whether it is or it isn't, that's a tough turnaround for JMU. I'm sure they flew home last night. I assume they had a charter flight last night that got them out of East Lansing and back to Harrisonburg in the wee hours of the morning turned around practiced in Harrisonburg today got on a bus I think it's about six hours from Harrisonburg to to Kent Ohio and then they'll have all day tomorrow obviously and then most of the day on Thursday as well before they play that seven o'clock game but wow that's a challenge right there Matt to go from at Michigan State to Kent Ohio.
3: And I'm guessing it's not one of those nice buses where you can, like, sleep and stuff. I'm guessing it's probably, like, a you know, a mediocre bus. I don't know. I've actually
2: been on some of those and not necessarily where they they have beds in them or anything, but they do have the nice first class seats or the swivel seats. And they got some tables for the guys to study or play cards and and TVs and movies. I mean, they'll kill the time relatively easily. And I will bet most of these guys, particularly those that are at other mid-major schools and came to JMU, have been on trips like this before. But to do it on the heels of Michigan State. And, right, he said they came back, right? They came back to JMU. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, for a minute there, I thought maybe they just went from East Lansing to Kent, which would have made some sense, actually. Financially, I'm not sure what that would have done for them. And we don't know the payday that they got for last night as well. But that, that to me, was very revealing, that they're already on the road again and they're busing six hours to Kent to play that game Thursday night. And what did Mark say to you? that Kent State's won, what, like 22 straight home games, something like that?
3: Ah, uh, yeah, they're really good. Or you know, yeah. obviously, I think there's some changes on the roster, and and you know, we've talked about it, Bob. I developed a, a love for Toledo basketball, and mm-hmm. Kent State has beaten them both years, the last couple of years in the MAC tournament. So it's a really good Kent State team.
2: Yeah, they have kept the frustration streak of Toledo. I think they're
3: at like. 42
2: straight years without going to the ncaa tournament and as you alluded to the last couple of years they were the favorite or one of the favorites to win that tournament and they were ousted and as you said kent state has been a villain of theirs along the way so what a great win for jmu and and as i said that was the only upset in the top 25 last night so they were center stage they had the spotlight pretty much all to themselves last night when that game you know, ended around 11 o'clock last night. So they are riding quite the high to Kent State, and they'll come down, they'll be grounded, they'll be ready to go, but that's going to be a tough one for them. On Thursday night. But what a start. What a week to open the college basketball season for the James Madison Dukes. All right. We saved all of that for the first segment. They deserve that. They deserve a whole segment and more. As I mentioned, Matt, head coach Byington, on in the three o'clock hour. If you missed that, ESPNrichmond.com, you can check out his comments and the conversation he had with Matt. Here's where we're headed on the Tuesday mashup edition of Border to Border and the Sports Huddle.
0: Here's what's coming up on today's sports huddle. This is a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown.
2: Which, as always, is brought to you by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. Your help is needed for the Red Cross to continue to be on call for local or national emergencies. To learn how you can volunteer or donate blood, visit redcross.org. Later in the week, we're actually going to get an update on things involving the Red Cross. Jonathan McNamara will join us on Thursday's show between 4 and 6 when Sean Robertson from CBS 6 co-host with me. will be in the studio and we'll talk with Jay Mack, a little bit of Red Cross, and certainly a lot of James Madison being the proud Duke grad that he is. Alright, coming up on the show today, we got some football talk to do with you, both the college and pro variety. Uh, after the break, we'll get back to the college basketball. We haven't touched yet on Richmond, VCU, UVA, Virginia Tech. We'll do that in the next segment. And then at the bottom of the hour, college football. How about those Liberty Flames nationally ranked and unbeaten this week and getting set for state rivalry game against Old Dominion this Saturday. The play-by-play voice, the Liberty Flames, Alan York joins us at the bottom of the hour, joins us at 4.30, and Matt and I will have a conversation with him. Then at 5.30, Darrell Owens, Legacy Maker Sports Network, covering the Washington Commanders week in and week out. He was up in New England at Foxborough and saw the Commanders squeeze out that victory over the New England Patriots. We'll talk about that with Darrell Owens coming up at 5.30 this afternoon. Your comments, thoughts, and questions in between all of that 804-327-0888 lewis is running the show this afternoon we go to our first break back on the other side to talk some more college hoops 1061 espn
0: Big Al doesn't care how the duck is prepped. I don't care if he eats raw duck. Or what anyone thinks. I don't care about what he thinks. But he does care about what you do from 8 to 10 weekday mornings. So spend that time with him on
2: 1061 ES probably gone out of vogue, but I remember learning about it. Yellow journalism, exactly what you were alluding to. Just sensationalizing things to try and sell newspapers in the old-time vernacular. Well, this will be yellow texting here. Because you mentioned it on your show, and you mentioned it earlier. All these fans are like up in arms over their team losing on the opening night. They're going to go in 33 or team winning is going to go 33-0, or whatever. So here's the text that I think you've seen on our text line today. And it doesn't even come from a VCU fan. Admittedly, it's a, huge, a Virginia fan, because it ends with go-whos. But here's the, the yellow journalism text of the day. I've been waiting all day for your show, and I know you're happy about the Spiders, but how awful is VCU? If they can't beat a Will Waitless McNeese, they need to go ahead and send Odom packing. No excuse for that kind of loss with the program VCU has. Go who's. To your point, Matt. We got to get these fans off the ledge. I think this text was written, and it proved its point because I read it on the air. Beyond that, I don't hold much weight with it.
3: I agree. Um, Obviously, it was not the start they wanted, but I'm not going to sit here. The only thing that changes, Bob, is that now they are not in a great situation when it comes to their at-large profile, which I talked about. I I didn't like their schedule this year. Um, That's all. They just kind of reduced the margin of error when it comes to March.
2: Yeah, not having any true away games is kind of ridiculous, to be honest with you. And I know Odom has said a lot of the schedules is already in place from the former coaching staff, but he still had some opportunities. Probably could have found an away game or two, but that's probably another conversation for another day. Here's what I think VCU people are going to have to get used to with Ryan Odom's style of play. And I looked at the box score from last night, and Matt, to be honest with you, the numbers that stuck out first and foremost to me that tells me this is a new era, a whole different way of playing VCU basketball, McNeese had only five turnovers in the game and outscored VCU thirteen to six on points off of turnovers that wasn't happening in the good old days of shaka smart and mike rhodes it was a whole different ball game and if vcu doesn't shoot well and they did not last night particularly from behind the three-point line that's a whole new style of basketball that vcu faithful are going to have to get used to
3: yeah. I mean, that's the thing. And, and I, I you're right. I did bring that up because in the past, Bob, when VCU's offense wasn't going, they relied on Havoc to force turnovers, get easy baskets, get to the free throw line, kind of calm things down a little bit. Now that it's not a Havoc style defense, they have to generate their own offense and generate their own energy. As I said, 36 threes, 17 twos, 14 free throws. I don't love that formula, but that's what Ryan Odom does.
2: Yeah, that is exactly what he did. He certainly did it at Utah State, and he has made no bones about the fact that he's bringing it here um, to VCU. And, look, the one excuse that I don't think VCU or any other team in the country can use is, oh, we have all these new guys, and we have transfer – everybody – is in that situation this year. It's it's almost a level playing field. I mean, even even the Richmond VMI game. I mean, the Spiders had three new transfers and eight newcomers all told that played in the game last night. And VMI has nine scholarship freshmen. It's it's everywhere. So that's that's one excuse that to me would not hold water for why VCU or any other team lost last night.
3: Exactly. Yeah. And you do the uh, the overseas trips and everything. And it's not like, you know, I mean, now I will say the one thing, Bob, obviously, Sean Bairstow's injured. Right. Um, That's he's going to probably be a member of the starting five when he comes back. That's a, a nice piece who obviously has been in Odom's system. So that I think would help. But is he 11 points and 76 points allowed different? I don't I don't think so.
2: Well, it might be eleven points difference, actually. I mean he is a really good offensive player. There's no doubt about that. And I agree with you on that one. Um and yeah, giving up seventy six is again, that's something that VCU fans are gonna have to get used to because they may have to outscore people this year. I think. I don't know. I didn't I didn't see any of that game last night, obviously doing the Richmond game, but that's kind of the the feel I'm getting.
3: Yeah, Ryan Odom, um, his teams are three-point shooting and, and moving the ball in offense and hoping to outscore a lot of people. Not to say they were bad on defense, but like I'm looking at a lot of the games last year against good opponents, they just outscored them. And that's how they did it. And they couldn't make the stops against Missouri in the NCAA tournament um, because they weren't built for it. And... You know, they lost the game because they couldn't score. So I think that's just kind of what we have to get used to is offense is going to rule on Broad Street until he sets his defensive system, which I don't even know if he has a defensive system. Right. And they're going to
2: keep getting chances to play on Broad Street, as we mentioned, because they play zero true away games. They are home Friday night at seven o'clock against Samford and should probably get healthy in that game on uh friday evening seven o'clock at the Siegel center all right now cross town the opposite for the richmond spiders matt i was so disappointed when i left the game last night and even being out and about a little bit today and i went to vote did my civic duty this morning and ran into uh, several spider fans and all of them expressed so much shock and surprise that Richmond is more up-tempo this year and they're pressing a little bit and they have these two transfer guards who are prolific scorers. And I'm like, have you not been following us for the last three weeks or so? Because I feel like we've been drilling that home on all of our shows that Richmond was going to play that way. Chris Mooney has made the point several times in media sessions and fan engagements, and you know, and yet the, the Richmond fan base was surprised pleasantly surprised at what they saw last night. Particularly from Jordan King, but really the backcourt duo of Jordan King and Delani Hunt. And I just feel like we've been hammering that home to people for the last three to four weeks, ever since they started formal practice, and at least for one night against not a very good team with a lot of freshmen. They're going to struggle all year. I think we know that. But Richmond did what they were supposed to do last night.
3: Yes, uh, that was the thing. So I, it's funny because I looked on the athletic and they did their ranking of 1 to 348 or whatever. And VMI was dead last, unfortunately. And it's uh, Ken Pomeroy has them winning uh, only like three games this year. So that's going to be a little bit of a struggle. But yes, you know, Bob, I, I talked about it in 2019 when they lost to, to Longwood at home and, and, you know, that NC Central game a couple years ago when they were down large and, you know, they came back and won like this wasn't there was never a sweat. There was never a doubt that, that Richmond was going to win this game. And that's certainly a nice step. Uh, Ken Palm has VMI 347, so at least they're not at the bottom. They're 15
2: from the bottom because there are 362 schools ranked on Ken Palm. Mississippi Valley State is 362. VMI is at 347. Still, your point is well taken. One of the worst teams in the country, probably the youngest team in the country, both age-wise and and class-wise is VMI. Uh, Now, I will say this about what you were just talking about, Matt. I think it was way more important in this new era of college basketball that they did look the way they did last night because those games that you referenced before, they had a lot of returning guys. They had guys coming back. Things were expected of them. These were new parts this year, so I do think it was promising no matter who the opponent was. Richmond only had seven turnovers last night. That game went up and down the court. VMI did some pressure. New guys and Entirely new backcourt, new starters, only one returning starter. So in this case, it certainly doesn't say you're going to go 31-0 in the regular season, but I do think they needed a game like last night to get off to a good start. And let's remember, Chris Mooney was back for the first time after missing the last six games of the season. So I think it was important for them to have that kind of game. And, you know, Coach emptied the bench in the last five minutes. I think VMI went on a 10-0 or 12-0 run in the last five minutes. The Spiders were playing, you know, their last five guys off of the bench, including three walk-ons at that point, so you can understand what happened there. But I do think because of the new guys on the roster, it was important for them not to struggle as they did against you know the NC Centrals and the Longwoods of the world in the past several years.
3: Uh, yeah, and they did what they were supposed to. And I would say, you know, Siena coming in, that's another team that I think they should be able to beat. And Richmond is going to hopefully get themselves a couple wins before the road Boston College game. Boston College looked good in their first uh, game of the season. They beat up on Fairfield. So an opportunity to get a couple of wins before that ACC road trip next Wednesday.
2: Yeah, they go to Boston College and then they've got that tournament down, um, in Florida, that Sunshine Slam. A tournament in which they'll play Colorado in the first game and then either another ACC team in Florida State uh, or UNLV in the second game. So they do get that second home game Saturday. Uh, by the way, that's an eight o'clock game Saturday night. It was pushed back because of the football game on Saturday as well. Spider football team with that huge game against Elon, two of the teams tied for first in the CAA. That's at two o'clock at Robin Stadium. So they move basketball back to eight o'clock in the Robin Center, we'll have both of those games here on one oh six one ESPN. Spider Football at 1.30 Saturday afternoon and Spider Basketball at 7.30 Saturday night. So it's a Super Spider Saturday doubleheader on the Richmond campus and on these airwaves. And there'll be plenty of other college football and basketball this weekend. We're going to zero in on one of the college football games after the break. It is unbeaten nationally ranked Liberty and Old Dominion Saturday. We're going to talk about that with the voice of the Liberty Flames. Alan York joins us next on 106.1 ESPN
0: let's get social
2: follow us on x and instagram at espn richmond and
0: find us on facebook by searching espn richmond don't miss a thing from your home for
2: sports in richmond 1061 espn it has two of them only one commonwealth that's us virginia with jmu at nine and and liberty at nine and oh let's zero in on those liberty flames ranked number 25 in the nation this week they go out of conference to play old dominion from the sunbelt this saturday as the flames look to get to 10 and oh play-by-play voice the liberty flames joins us this afternoon alan york on our airwaves hello alan how are you
1: doing good bob good to reconnect with you and uh talk a little liberty flames football over your way appreciate you having me on
2: Absolutely. How heady is all of this that you guys are going through right now? You've had success before, obviously, but to be in the position where you are into November at nine and zero,
1: it's tremendous. And you go into this season with quarterback questions, and a lot of us due to the portal and NIL roster turnover. You know, fifty percent of our roster uh, is brand new. A brand new coaching staff under head coach Jamie Chadwell who has been a winner at every stop, Bob, that he has been on. And it's just started from game one. I mean, we're not talking about the win against Bowling Green, but five takeaways. That Mm -hmm. kind of jump-started the season. And from there, it's just been a fun ride with them. Uh, I play a very small role uh, doing the play-by-play, but you feel uh, bigger than life uh, with the success that teams have. And I know you've been there with Richmond before. Uh, winning championships, but there's nothing like it, especially when you get into November and you're one of less than 10 still undefeated regardless of what level you play at. It's really, really fun.
2: Absolutely. What has been the signature of this team? I mean, there are some star players on offense, a couple on defense as well. What have you liked best about this group?
1: I think the best thing I keep telling people, Bob, is that I, mean, I was at practice today. They're 9-0. and They got into the top 25 for the first time this year. Um, after Air Force, you know, got beat by Army, and you wouldn't even know that they're one of eight FBS teams remaining that are undefeated. I mean, honestly, um, they're, it's cliche as it is, but it's true. They're just worried about the next practice, the next rep. Honestly, uh, they don't feel pressure to remain undefeated, um, and so I would say that the biggest thing is that they're just taking each rep as the next thing to come, and um, they'll worry about tomorrow when it gets there.
3: Uh, one of the things I also notice is kind of you've gone to a ground-based offense, and yet even with a uh, ground-based offense, Caden Salter still has 23 touchdown passes and three interceptions. How well is he running this uh, system right now?
1: He's running it at a high level, um, but it takes, it takes good players around you regardless of how good your quarterback is. Our offensive line Uh, went into this season, uh, tragically lost a true freshman member uh, during fall camp, uh, lost his life, and our best uh, lineman coming back, Brendan Schlittler, soon to be a fifth-year starter due to COVID, hurts his knee in the first week of camp. And so you got two offensive linemen that one obviously is not coming back, but the other one, he's out until further notice. And I'm like, how good are we going to be? and question marks at quarterback. But that offensive line under their coach, Bill Durkin, has done a great job. They've been healthy, knock on wood. Um, but it takes good players for Caden Salted to run this offense. And right now, Liberty's second in the country behind Air Force and rushing. That definitely sets up a pass attack down the field when they fill the box up with, with players. And then we got really good receivers on the outside that can make some moves and get open. So that's kind of been the recipe offensively for Liberty.
3: What does it say that you're able to attract the Power Five talent? Obviously, Quentin Cooley comes over from Wake Forest, and you know, obviously, Liberty, you know, has a nice system that should be attractive to future Power Five uh, players.
1: Yeah, I think it starts with Jamie Chadwell and uh, his kind of down-home personality. Um, he relates well to the players. He's had track, you know, a track, a history of having success at his other stops. And, again, Liberty, with the mission of the school, uh, gives a lot of players uh, a new life uh, on, on football. And it happens with a number of our sports that, hey, we're going to open up the door, and you may not be Christian when you get here, uh, but hopefully you are closer to God when you leave. That's kind of the mission, training champions for Christ. And they have attracted some power five guys. I mean, Caden Salter is a good example, the quarterback. He's a Tennessee a signee a couple years ago, uh, fell out of favor with the Volunteers, and uh, got a new lease on life when Hugh Freeze was here before he left to go to Auburn. And uh, it's been a good marriage so far. And, uh, you know, you mentioned Quentin Cooley. He's the leading rusher in the Conference USA right now. Got uh, some decent playing time at Wake, but thought there was more in his tank to deliver. And uh, and right up the road, here's Liberty. Opened up the door this past summer, and uh, he's been a good addition as well.
2: Alan, what does it mean to have already clinched not only a berth in the uh, Conference USA Championship game, but to have it right there at Williams Stadium and what it could mean come bowl season?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Thanks for asking. And and it's really (laughs) kind of an inside story to what this team is all about, Bob. Uh, And and Jamie took this from Coastal and brought it here. You look at last year, last couple of years, Liberty has reached bowl eligibility as an independent – as early as, you know, mid-October. So what's there left to play for? I mean, 2 years ago you finished 8 and 0. You finished the season 11 and 1. If you're as independent, you what are you playing for outside of bowl eligibility? I mean, nothing, to be honest with you. And last year Liberty got bowl eligible like in October and, you know, faltered down the stretch and that really uh, put a sour taste in the guys that were returning. And so now, Jamie Chadwell has this system of where each game is a championship. He employs each coach, position coach, to come up with a particular championship that game, including game one against Bowling Green. And they have a certain celebration in the locker room about that championship, beating the Falcons, and then beating New Mexico State in week two, and so on and so forth. And so now, yeah, two weeks ago, they reached uh, clinching a berth in the... Championship of the Conference USA, well, what's left? Well, the next week, okay, you win against uh, Louisiana Tech, then you get to host the championship. Okay, they did that. And so what's next this week against Old Dominion? I don't know yet. Still early on, we have our weekly radio show Thursday, and I will find that out. So uh, they keep playing each weekend for a championship, and at the end of the day, I know the CFP rankings week two come out today. It would be kind of cool to see Liberty's name among the top 25 there, and we'll see what happens as we move on here.
2: Uh, catching up with Alan York, play-by-play voice of the unbeaten 25th-ranked Liberty Flames. I- I'm sure Jamie Chadwell and the staff and the players, and probably you as well, Alan, will bristle at the criticism you've heard out there. I'm sure that this is not one of the strongest schedules in the country. In fact, it's a fairly weak schedule perhaps, but Liberty has done exactly what's been asked of it, and it is one every game have you in conversations with people in other cities and other schools dealt with that conversation about strength of schedule for this year's team.
1: Yes. And if fans are interested in hearing Jamie Chadwell's thoughts on this, I encourage you to go to our website or our YouTube channel. He answered that question from funny enough, a Richmond reporter this morning uh, <laughs> in his weekly press conference about the schedule. And, uh, and Jamie answered it just like you presented it, Bob it is what it is. You play who you play and you have to go win the game and every coach will tell you, whatever sport it's hard to win games and you're not going to apologize uh, for maybe ugly wins sometimes. And truth be told, number of power five teams on the schedule, uh, including this year, the last couple of years. But when Liberty moved conference USA in July, some of those teams, uh, because of the conference schedule that was being built in, they had to w- rework the contract for later on. Now, when those are, I don't know, but some have dropped Liberty, power fives, because of the success that Liberty has had, beating the likes of Virginia Tech, Arkansas, BYU, Syracuse the last few years. So, uh, yeah, we, we've heard about it, and all they can do is just go play, regardless of who the opponent is. And... Uh, you know, they put their hard hat on and, and they've just gone to compete each and every game.
3: Obviously, up next is uh, is Old Dominion. It's an in-state opponent. Um, where did this series come about and uh, how is this team treating this game considering, you know, you know, in-state games mean a lot, especially when it comes to recruiting.
1: Yeah, they do. And you have to take those uh, very important and, and, and put the work in to compete. Uh, going back to... 2018, just a quick story for everybody tuning in in your area. Liberty was in the Big South, and they got a waiver uh, to move as an independence in 2017 uh, by the NCAA, which is unheard of because you typically have to be invited to a conference uh, to make that move. Well, Liberty got a waiver, and uh, 2018 was the first official what they count as their FBS transition. And memory serves me correct. Old Dominion was the first game uh, of that transition, and they played them fairly well, uh, made a trip to Norfolk last year, uh, competed against them in 13 as an FCS program, uh, and all the games have been very competitive. Even last year, Liberty winning by a couple of scores. And that's kind of the backstory on the particular series. I think it's great. Um, I think Liberty... JMU, Old Dominion. I think they should year in and year out all play against each other, uh, home and home, and or home and away, alternating years. I think it would be great to fill their non-conference schedule that way. Um, but I'm just a radio guy, so what do we know, right? But uh, that's kind of the, the backstory on the the history of that program. And the well, series.
2: we're we're all we're all radio guys here, Alan. So we're going to elevate us to not just radio guys. We are radio <laughs> guys. Yes, um, sir. That's right. Yeah. So what kind of thoughts do you have on what's happening down the road from you at JMU in Harrisonburg?
1: Um, I think it's great that the state is getting exposure from two teams that, let's be honest, typically you wouldn't expect that coming uh, with two power fives in the state, Virginia and Virginia Tech. Um, I do think the two, I d- don't quote me on when it is, but I think there's a home and home at some point in the next 10 years uh, with the two. Uh, Liberty's last matchup with JMU uh, was in the FCS playoffs back in 2014. Uh, and so I think it's great. And each week that Liberty and JMU keep competing and playing hard like they've done now, and then you see Air Force go out of the un- unbeatens. And so now the two GF5 is, is Liberty and JMU, and lo in the same state. And so we respect what they're doing. Uh, at the same time, Liberty's been laser-focused with their schedule and uh, they'll see what they do against Old Dominion coming up on Saturday uh, afternoon.
2: Hey, we're going to change your focus for, for just a minute. Matt, Matt, I think, has a hoops question for you. But before we do, you alluded to this guy. i got to give a shout-out to Bill Durkin. You mentioned your offensive line coach previously at Richmond. Alan, one of my all-time favorite coaches at the University of Richmond. So please uh, pat him on the back, the big back that he has, and pass along a hello for me. I'd appreciate that.
1: I certainly will, Bob. I was around him today just for a little bit, just uh, admiring what he's doing with that group, and I'll be sure to tell him that you and I caught up today.
3: Uh, So obviously yesterday the basketball team started out the post-Darius McGee era. Um, Obviously it's a a lower level opponent, but what did you take from that matchup?
1: Yeah, Liberty played Mid-Atlantic Christian, a team from Elizabeth City, North Carolina, and uh, I thought it was uh, a business-like approach. Uh, Liberty does have uh, two fifth-year seniors. You mentioned Darius McGee. He was a fifth-year guy last year. Uh, Liberty and the A-Suns all-time leading scorer, you know, pumped in 25 points a game. So you got to find that, uh, that void from somebody. And uh, Liberty had five and double figures. They had four players that scored 10 points. One scored 20. Uh, everybody that got in, I think, at least had one bucket. And uh, in some of these season-opening games, as you guys know, you play uh, opponents that... Uh, fight hard, but maybe on paper you're expected to win by a lot, and Liberty certainly did. Um, but obviously you play 10, 11, 12 players in an opener like that, obviously the, the rotation is going to shrink and shorten, uh, especially maybe Friday when Liberty heads down to Charlotte to play the 49ers in the Hornets arena, part of a, a triple header there. Um, but I thought it was a good opening uh, stanza for Liberty as they move on. They still have two fifth-year seniors, Kyle Rode and Shiloh Robinson, plus – a number of juniors, and a couple of uh, uh, non-graduate transfers, which Liberty typically has not taken. They have a point guard from uh, Bowling Green, Caden Bethany, and uh, Xander Yates, a sophomore transfer from Creighton. So guys that played really well last night and uh, some expanded minutes, and uh, we'll see what happens in game two coming up on Friday down in Charlotte.
2: You doing the uh, Friday-Charlotte-Saturday-Lynchburg doubleheader there, Alan?
1: yeah got the itinerary from basketball. He <laughs> said, "Hey, are you with us Thursday?" I said, "Nope, I'm going to day trip it down there and back and uh, back in the saddle uh, on the mountain at one o'clock for Saturday's football game. So uh, typically, as you know, Bob, we would travel with them whenever we can, and uh, uh, I'll also say, tell uh, Rob Jones that you said hello as well.
2: Yes, please do on the basketball front. Absolutely. Another of my favorites, the former associate head coach. we got that pipeline going from Richmond to Lynchburg for sure. And I will return the favor. I'm sure you're in touch with him a lot. And I know from our group text, you have been our biggest Liberty fan in our building at ESPN Richmond. Of course, Chris Weigel, who worked with you. And now we're fortunate to have him in, in our halls as well. So I, I'm sure he's rooting for the Liberty Flames.
1: Well, he is, and uh, I, I recognize Chris's voice uh, from the music bumper mm-hmm. coming back and the mm-hmm. station ID stuff. So um, he's one of our biggest fans. We'll never forget the, the times that we had uh, w- with him, one of the best engineers we've ever had, if not the best, and uh, glad he's doing well over there in Richmond.
2: We put a lot of hats on him now, engineering, voice, all of that, all-around good guy, all of that. Alan, thank you so much for the time this afternoon. Great catching up with you. Let's do it again as we get towards the end of the football season and into the meat of the basketball season.
1: All right. Sounds good, guys. Appreciate the show. Enjoy listening to it, and uh, go Flames.
2: There goes Alan York, play-by-play voice of the Liberty Flames. Yeah, he's got a busy weekend. A lot of us have busy weekends coming up, but he'll put some uh, tread on the tires this weekend as well, heading to Charlotte for the basketball game on Friday night, and then back in time for the football game, 1 o'clock kick between Liberty and Old Dominion on Saturday. Get a break in here. Matt and I will come back, wrap up our mashup hour on the sports huddle and border-to-border. Get you to 5 o'clock in the ESPN Sports Center update after the break on one oh six one ESPN.